Hello, Health Investor. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Dr. Olivia Metri. Dr. Metri is a board-certified family physician. She finished medical school six years ago, trained in Florida for three years, and has been working in primary and urgent care since completing her training. While in medical school, Dr. Metri developed a love for nutrition, wellness, and fitness. Unfortunately, it wasn't because of medical school that this happened. It was because her mom suffered from a major heart attack and had to have open heart surgery. Since then, Dr. Metri has dedicated her life to prevention that starts at home, not with a prescription. She loves empowering her patients to take on a significant role in their care as her partner in treatment. No habits are ever changed by sheer force. In the episode, Dr. Metri shares ways in which you, as a patient, can advocate for yourself, what to do if your doctor rushes you out the door and doesn't listen to your concerns, questions to ask as you interview different doctors, and more. I had the absolute best time chatting with Dr. Metri, and I know you're just going to love her as much as I do. Do me a favor. While you're listening, take a selfie, post it to social media, tag me at The Health Investment, and let me know your takeaways. I love seeing you in action and learning your favorite parts of each episode. All right, it's time to hear from Dr. Metri. Enjoy! Hi, I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing, you deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing, there are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm gonna share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, because I wanna help you get healthy for good without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one, So visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Dr. Metri. Thank you so, so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I have found your work on Instagram and have been following you for a while and have just loving everything you're posting, and I'm really excited for our conversation today. Hi, uh, I'm so honored to be here. Um, I've loved your posts as well, um, and I'm really excited to chat. So I'd love if you could start by sharing in your own words your story and your background, and then specifically what led you to becoming a doctor in the first place. Sure. Um, so my name is uh, Dr. Metri, and I am a family medicine uh, doctor by training. I originally became a doctor because I was actually a really sick kid growing mm-hmm. up. I had asthma all the time and um, had bronchitis all the time, and it was like recurrent every couple of months. I'd have bronchitis for another two weeks. And so I was always at the doctor's office. And at that point, I started seeing my doctor as my hero. Um, The reason I went into family medicine is because my doctor was also my dad's doctor. Um, My dad was a diabetic and 
um, we had the same doctor. So we would go to the same guy. He would sometimes make home visits, which is something we can't even imagine right now. But um, he would come over. He would even do my blood work at home. He would come with his nebulizing machine to give me like a breathing treatment, but at the same time see my dad and check his sugar. Um, So it really was the whole family experience. So I wanted to be that very specific doctor that could see the whole family. Hmm. I know you're very into uh, nutrition and lifestyle practices. Did you learn that from your family physician growing up? Or is that something that you kind of got into yourself later on? So similar to why I became a doctor, it's also because of my family. Um, So both of my parents are pretty sick. They both have diabetes, high cholesterol. Uh, They've both had heart surgeries, um, like open heart surgery, uh, stents put in for heart attacks. And one day I was um, with my mom at the hospital. She had just had uh, open heart surgery. And I always thought I was like, huh an okay shape and an okay health. Um, So we were in the hospital and she was having her surgery and I was staying with her for a whole week. At that time, I was in second or third year of medical school. Um, So I'd been there for a couple of days and I'm just a poor little medical student and I'm heading to the cafeteria for lunch per usual and they say, uh, well, if you donate blood today, we can give you free lunch. So I was like, sign me up. As they were taking my blood pressure, they said, honey, you've got high blood pressure. And I was like, what? I'm, there's no way. Um, So they told me that I had that. And then they said, also with your uh, blood donation today, you get a free blood analysis and it'll come to your email in a few days or whatever. Or you can call this phone number actually and get it, something like that. So I was like, great. Um, A couple of days later, I get my blood results and my cholesterol is really high. (laughs) So I guess that's really when it hit me that, yeah, I'm trying to become this doctor and I love this career of health and I am no picture of health at all. Um, At that point, I was, you know, not uh, unhealthy looking, I guess I could say, to be like super PC. But I'm not unhealthy looking or unhealthy feeling. But yeah, I definitely ate fries sandwiches sometimes where you would literally put fries between the bread and ketchup and eat it. Oh, literally uh, French fry sandwiches. Um, yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so that's when I was like, you know, I am really just on the same journey as my parents. Um I may become a doctor, but I will not be a good role model model for my patients whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really, really started looking into health in a different way and not just looking at medicines and surgeries and this is the medicine for that and this is the surgery for that. I became more passionate about prevention, uh, preventative medicine, and health overall. I started running and I remember my first run ever, I would... I would tell myself, okay, you have to go from one mailbox to the other. (laughs) Like that's how bad my running was. Um, And I would just started jogging. I started buying salad kits at the grocery store. Um, Yeah, I I just started that way. But then, of course, the research came along with it, the experience, the reading, the uh, 
um, the love definitely grew from there. Did you learn much about preventative health care in terms of nutrition and lifestyle in medical school, or did you find that that was really something you had to kind of learn outside of the basic curriculum you were learning? Yeah. So that's a really good question, and actually not the first time I've um, been asked that, because I think there is a huge stigma behind medical doctors and the very little knowledge we have on the fact, but I, I will admit a couple of things. I do think that, um, from my, from my memory, I think we did nutrition 101 literally in one week. That's Mm. in all of my four years of medical school. I think that it's because, um, we had to learn everything from molecular and cell to brain surgery and brain tumors to MS and ALS and the tests and the blood and and everything. So I think it wasn't looked at as a priority. I would definitely do it differently if I were in charge, um, just because nutrition is related to everything. Um, but What I will say in defense of medicine, um, we are taught that it is the risk factor of everything and it is the first treatment of everything. If you open any of my medical books um, and read up on hypertension, high blood pressure, um, high cholesterol, the first thing to do in a person who walks in, even if they're 50 years old, high blood pressure, um, smoker, et cetera, et cetera. The very first line of treatment is diet and exercise, um, to try and decrease their blood pressure. It's not to throw blood pressure medicine at them. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were taught this in every single disease that we encountered, including cancers, including, um, you know, arthritis, including everything. Basically the very first line would say a, offer da 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 nutrition and exercise and blah 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 but the very next line is you know medicine xyz medicine xyz um now i think it was given to us as a tool but not many doctors really use it and that's very true i mean my own colleagues um don't use it my own colleagues don't even eat well. My own mm-hmm. colleagues don't practice good lifestyle habits. I have colleagues who smoke. I have colleagues who um, still would probably take that um, fries sandwich that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But, but um, no, we're not taught, you know, like this is the good diet. This is the bad diet or this is the right diet. This is the poor diet or processed food is what led to this. You know, the you know, there's this research and there is a lot of research done on processed food. There's so much, but we're not sat there and said, and said to like, um, you know, processed food is directly correlated to cancer, Mm -hmm. directly correlated to obesity. You know, obesity is directly correlated to cancer. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not taught it that way in a very eye opening way. Um, and so when I started reading, I just honestly could not stop. And even when I was, um, doing my residency, I, I did all my research on 
on nutrition. I did all my, you have to do like a scholarly activity to graduate your residency. I did it on group visits of diabetics and it was so much fun. It was basically like AA, but for diabetics. Mm. And you get them together and um, for me to actually call it research and, and a scholarly activity, I had to kind of test them prior to our six-week um, uh, program and then after. And then the fir- in the beginning, um, I would test them on their knowledge of what is, you know, a good breakfast, what is a good lunch, what is, um, what would you choose, this or that. It, I, I stole a lot of, like, ideas of, like, eat this or eat that. Um, and I got them together and I just got them to start talking and I got them to just ask questions and just, we just educated them on what is processed foods. There's a stigma behind healthy food being expensive. Guess how much this is and guess how much that is. And I would get a huge meal from McDonald's and then also a huge cooked meal that I made at home and I would place it in front of them and I would actually prove to them that my food was cheaper at the end of the day. And it was just, you know, roasted veggies and a lean protein and some and some avocado and, and, you know, whatever it was. But it was so much fun to just educate my patients and just get them to participate in this program. And then the very next week, they were to bring something healthy that they made at home. Um, mm. it, was, it was great, but I wish I could do that at work. Um, you know, something sad is my program director at the end of my program said that, is really great, except you'd never really be able to run that program outside of this because it wouldn't pay. It wouldn't pay for your time. And that's so sad to me. Right. Because we actually saw a difference in patients' idea of health and and they started biking together. Like two and two got, like a few of them kept getting together and walking more and biking more. it was just so lovely, but it just it isn't prioritized in medicine. We were talking a bit off air of how you've just got this new job and now you get more time with patients. So I'm wondering, is time the real barrier that most physicians have in not having these conversations about nutrition and lifestyle choices with patients? Or do you think it's something else? Um, I think it's probably more burnout and time, yes. I finally do have the time with my patients now, and I will not even just ask, not even just tell them, you know, you need to eat XYZ for breakfast. You need to eat XYZ. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. That's not how I even speak to my patients ever. Um, I I do very open-ended questions like, so tell me about your eating, you know, tell me about what kind of food do you eat during the day? What did you have for breakfast today? And I just talk about it and I'll give very, very small attainable suggestions. Um, I don't think that other doctors practice that way. And again, I really think it's because they too do not live that kind of lifestyle and don't prioritize that kind of lifestyle. And so it's really hard to practice in a way that you don't live. Mm -hmm. I just can't even imagine some of my doctor friends saying that when, you know, they probably had a slice of cold pizza in the morning. Like it's, it's just, it's hard for me to see them really caring about that. Right. I'm forgetting their names, but there's a couple of doctors I follow who have lost 
50 plus pounds themselves. And they speak exactly to that, that they just felt hypocritical even if they would start making all these diet and lifestyle recommendations to their patients for years and years and years when they would show up and like you said, they weren't following their own advice. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, so do you think it's also a lack of knowledge based on not learning? Yeah. So definitely that too. So it's kind of both and. I definitely think that. Yeah. I mean, there's still, there's still some doctors out there that are preaching, you know, the low fat, high carb that's been debunked already. You know, the, the 80s and 90s way of low-fat diet, low-fat diet, low-fat diet is the way. Um, and I love telling my patients about the story that I just told you that I, you know, I wasn't the picture the picture perfect of health or p- perfect picture of health. And they would be like, really, doc? And I would tell them I lost about 30 pounds since then. Um, you know, and I've had a baby since then too. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they would be like, what? I cannot see you with 30 more pounds. I thought you looked, you know, always skinny or whatever, whatever. And I would say, you know, it also is not at all about my size though. I am so much healthier on the, on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um and I know that and I feel that. I feel so much healthier than I did 10 years ago. And that was mm-hmm. that was definitely 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. That's exactly why I got into nutrition myself. And I, too, kind of became addicted to it and just couldn't yeah. stop reading everything I could get my hands on. But my most of my 20s, I did the whole low-fat, calorie counting, exercising incessantly, everything I thought I should be doing and that doctors had actually told me to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was doing everything right, but I could not lose. I was about 20 pounds overweight and I could never lose more than five pounds wow. and keep it off. And I just always kind of went back to that set point. I mean, it was just impossible. And now it's just so liberating to eat foods that are delicious. I actually yeah. feel full. I have energy. I don't, you know, hit this crash every day at 4 p.m. and feel like I need a nap. I think I agree with you so much. It's so, once you get that feeling, you never want to go back. And it's so much more about that than how you look. But I do think it's easy to look at somebody who is thinner and think, oh, you know, it's just genetically that way. I think we've also kind of been told that Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, I know doctors had even suggested that to me at times, that it was just genetics Mm. more so than choices. Can you speak to that a bit on the role of genetics versus our own lifestyle choices? Yes. So um, I know that there are definitely genetic components to it. Um, Right. We found found that over and over and over again in science. And um, again, just to be uh, personal about me and about my patients as well, a lot of them can be even vegan and have high cholesterol. have high blood pressure from a very young age, and they tell me their parents had it. I mean, when I when I was there with my mom um, and found out that I had high blood pressure, I mean, I was like 21. Well, come to talk to my mom, she actually had high blood pressure during her pregnancy with us and had preeclampsia, which is also like another uh, – basically a side effect of having high blood pressure sometimes in pregnancy – Um, so when I found out that she had preeclampsia with all of her pregnancies, um, I found out that she had it at the same age that I also found it in me, Mm -hmm. which by the way, it has completely resolved now. 
Um, but my mom, by my age, was already on medication. So genetics does play a role, as it did with me. I was, I had hypertension at 20, 21. Um, Mm -hmm. If I had kept up with my lifestyle, it probably would have been high now too, and I probably would have had to resort to medication at this point. Um, And it's gone. So genetics play a role, but environmental changes definitely can undo things, can change your trajectory. Um, You may have been on a trajectory towards something, but there's no way that you doing everything opposite of what your mom did or something doesn't do a thing. The antioxidants that you're having, the vegetables that you're having, the stress um, reduction that you're trying to do, you know, my, my parents and our parents' generation, they don't know about deep breathing and meditation. <laughs> At least my parents don't. Um, mm-hmm. And so they were super stressed and TV is still so huge to them and they don't know how to create boundaries and they were overworked. And that's something that we are actually, our generation is very cognizant of, which is so awesome. Um, and yeah, they definitely didn't eat vegetables like I do. I prioritize vegetables, um, in huge portions, like throughout the day. Um, my, my proteins are better sourced probably. Um, you know, they still had like big muffins and croissants for breakfast with their lunch, uh, or for breakfast and um, chips with their lunch or french fries with their lunch and I don't do that so there's no way that we're on the same trajectory Mm -hmm. so if someone's hearing this right now and then they're thinking I wish I could have a doctor like Dr. Metri and I could talk to my doctor about nutrition or maybe even like for myself I had tried to talk to doctors especially when I started getting into nutrition and several doctors kind of shut me down. And that's actually why I wanted to have you on today because you had shared a post and said something about if you're advocating for yourself to your doctor and your doctor isn't hearing it, here's what I would advise you to do. So what is that advice you would give someone if they are hearing this and they're like, okay, I'm, this is it. I'm going to my doctor. I'm saying I want to talk about nutrition, but their doctor doesn't feel comfortable or they don't have the time to do that. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. This is my favorite topic. I want to empower every patient out there, um, every person out there. Your health is your health and your health alone. And you are the boss of your body and the boss of your health. And if you're not comfortable with your doctor, you need to fire them. (laughs) And Remember that you have options and you have choices and you can look into someone a bit further away. Maybe you look in, you live in a suburb, you want to go a little bit further out just to find that one doctor that you've read about or you've connected with on Instagram, um, then go and be their patient. Technically, you're not really going to go see them more than like a couple of times a year if you're well and healthy. Um, so that drive is an investment in your health. Um, a lot of telemedicine is is happening now. Uh, there's a huge push for it. So maybe you'll need to go in for a physical one time and then you'll follow up via telemedicine. Almost every doctor is doing telemedicine now. Um, but I've heard it over and over and over again. 
Um, I don't even know why I'm taking this medicine. Um, I have no idea. My doctor didn't tell me, but this is what he told me to take and I'm just taking it. Um, oh, I tried telling, asking him about this rash, but you know, he just kind of brushed it off. Um, and I'm sorry, I keep saying he, maybe I should say she sometimes, <laughs> um, you know, like I, uh, tried to bring this up, but she rushed out. Oh my gosh. I hear that every day. Um, if your doctor's not sitting down, I, I walk in and I sit down and I look at them. I'm not looking at a computer and I don't have an iPad in my hand, in my hand. And I don't have a scribe who's like type, 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 right in my, by my side, who's just typing our conversation so that I don't even have to do my note. Find a doctor who has time for you. And thank God it's 2020. I actually Google my own doctors. I've had to go to doctors now. You know, I've had a baby. Um, I've had to find a pediatrician for my son. Uh, my husband just had sinus surgery last year. So I've had to find my own doctors too. And none of them were my friends. I actually did the same thing. First, I found someone in my network. So that's really important. Uh, you're paying for your insurance. So use it. So I found a ton in my network and then I Googled them. <laughs> and... Yes, there are sometimes awful reviews and they should probably be ignored because the there there's a lot of reviews that are like um, I waited blah 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 in you know for the for the doctor. Sometimes that is really not our fault whatsoever and I don't know the circumstance behind it. So, I just don't let that like stop me there. I keep reading. If there is a trend where it says this doctor was in and out in one minute, I do not even give that doctor a call. So that's mm -hmm. definitely a big one. Make sure that they are not rushed. Second of all, I, I think most of us get a chance to put in a bio on our websites. And I do look for someone who's a bit more progressive, does their own research, um, is open to natural medicine and I don't mean like I'm going to prescribe herbs, but I'm just saying like, you know, uh, something that isn't super medicinal. Um, and a lot of us do put that in our bio and you can totally creep up on our Instagrams. There's a lot of doctors on there now and kind of see, are they, do they have big pharma like uh, uh, people in and out with, with, with swag bags of medication? Um, mm -hmm name things pushing us to write meds, uh, which is actually illegal now, but so there's a lot less of it. So that's good. Or are they, you know, are they running and on their Instagram and showing you like a cool smoothie that they made? Um, and, you know, writing some post about how to beat the flu naturally, you know, then you know that that doctor has a different mindset than the one who's just going to walk in, give you Tamiflu, which is the medicine for flu, and just walk out. So um, I would say Google, Google, Google. Look us up, creep up on us, and try us out. And if you don't like them, that's it. You're done. Move mm -hmm. on. Um, I tried one OBGYN um, last year. I did not have a good experience whatsoever, and I waited over two hours to see her <laughs> and then she completely dismissed my concern 
and left um and then i asked her to order something like we we agreed on something that she was going to give me that prescription never happened and then i kept calling and calling and calling for weeks on end to try to get that prescription and it like never happened i i will never go back so if your doctor is being like that just know that there are so many better ones um no no bias towards younger versus older, but I do think that a lot of my younger doctors do love a more natural approach. They're not shoving antibiotics down your mouth, um, your throat, because there are so many new research papers out there saying this is what happens when you keep on giving z packs um, <laughs> or just colds, a viral uh, upper respiratory infection. But these papers are out now, I'm not really sure that the older doctors are even reading it because I'll walk into a practice or a patient will walk into my practice and they've had like five Z-packs in the last year from the same doctor who will actually refill it via phone call. So that person exists, but I promise we exist too. Yeah. You got to find us. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. When you were talking about looking up doctors on Google. I always do that. I'm just a researcher at heart. So I love getting into all the reviews and finding all the websites, but it was making me think of even researching restaurants when you Mm -hmm. look on Yelp and people only review the service. That's not Mm -hmm. really speaking to the food, you know, the the server could have been having a bad day. So, So a lot of the times when I'm looking at doctor reviews, it'll be very poor reviews of the staff or you know, the receptionist was rude and then it'll mm-hmm. bring the doctor's score down. So I think it's really important, like you said, to just really advocate for yourself. Yeah, I love the way you talk about it and you use the word fire. I don't think for the majority of my life, I really saw my doctor as somebody I could fire or somebody who worked for me. I would just show up and have the view, like you said, of the doctor is the hero and the doctor knows all. Mm-hmm. And if I've come once, then this is my doctor and I have to just kind of grin and bear it. But I too had a horrible, actually several horrible experiences with gynecologists mm-hmm. and then just was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. I am finding one I love and finding a doctor I love that will actually sit with me and talk with me. And it yeah. took probably three or four visits and it took a long time because it's not like you can just go with your insurance. Right. Multiple times. So sometimes it even takes years, I think. Right. Because if if you're getting an annual with me, you're going to come this year, then you're not going to like me. Then you're going to have to wait a whole other year to try someone else out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's just committing to that long-term approach of just, I got my annual, you know, it was what it was, but then next year I'll try someone else. Um, But what about, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, one more thing. With with everything, just because you also mentioned the Yelp and restaurants, um, and I did say fire, and I do mean it, and I will use it over and over again, fire them. But I also do get the patient every now and then, and it's not very pleasant, maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, where they do really feel like you, I work for them, and they will come in with a list of medications that they want. So I do want to say that we can also probably fire you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. Like, I just want to make sure that, you know, people know we do work for you technically, but you can't walk up to a plumber and tell them, 
you know, I want the toilet to be hanging from the ceiling. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, let us do our job. But if you don't like the job that we're doing, absolutely leave us. Right. And respect your expertise, right? It's just a level of respect. But then if you don't feel the the respect reciprocated, then it's time to move on. And I also think, you know, being a teacher for 12 years, I got along with some students great and some students weren't a good Mm -hmm. fit. So I think it's the same thing as when you're a student and you have a teacher one year that you love and then the next year you don't love the teacher as much, but you're in a position now to you know, you can't necessarily just leave a teacher and go to another teacher when you're in school, but you're in the position now to kind of be more picky, but that doesn't mean that you're going to vibe with everybody maybe that definitely even your friends or family members do. Exactly. Yep. What if someone's hearing this and they're thinking, I really love my family physician. I've had my family physician forever and I want to keep that doctor, but they're resistant or I haven't ever tried maybe to kind of broach the topic of lifestyle or nutrition, what do you think is the best way to try Mm -hmm. to kind of have that conversation, like the most respectful way, not being an expert yourself, but going into an expert? I'd be really afraid that they would bring it up with that doctor and it would just not even go well. Because if that, if that doctor isn't well educated on nutrition, isn't passionate about it, then, you know, he might actually give bad advice. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, what I love when my patients come in um, is they actually come in with very like specific questions or, oh my goodness, my favorite is when they come with like a little food diary. And I am by no means like saying that everyone should be doing a food diary. Food diaries are really, really important, short, 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 short term. They're really good for just giving your doctor a big picture um, or for giving yourself a big picture. So I love actually telling my patients, hey, let's just do a little food diary for like the next month um, and then I'll see you. And then we'll kind of I'll just kind of like pick random days and random weekends and I'll just take a look at them or even a week, honestly. Um, So I don't think that people should be doing it long term. But when a patient does bring that up to me and, and gives me that kind of information or gives me their um, my fitness pal over their phone and shows it to me or or my Fitbit, um, their Fitbit app and shows it to me, it does give us a lot of information um, and gives us a lot of things to talk about. So maybe that person can bring it up that way with more data for their doctor and see if their doctor can then speak on it. Um, But if they haven't talked to you, if their family doctor hasn't talked to you about lifestyle, they're probably not well informed about it. Mm -hmm. Besides just like no smoking, this is how little you should drink every week, etc, etc. You should get some exercise in. And that's it. Um, Because that's really, unfortunately, all that we learn. So if you're more interested in more information in that realm, then either stay with your family doctor and go see someone like a nutritionist, um, a dietitian, um, Brooke herself, (laughs) (laughs) Um, or um, yeah, I think think that's basically it. Well, yeah, and I think the 
positive part too of working with a dietitian or nutritionist is that the time aspect that we've brought up. Because even yeah. if you take in the diary and likely you're going to the doctor for some other type of concern or for blood work. So there's that conversation that has to happen, but to actually sit down and examine a food journal and then make recommendations and small changes. I mean, it's kind of, it's a process Definitely. that it really sounds like you go on with your patients. Um, but it's definitely not a short-term thing. And as we both know, behavior change is tough when we've done certain things our whole lives, even, you know, a doctor saying, don't eat this, eat this. And that one visit may not be enough for that lasting impact. Definitely. I totally agree. And, um, I actually do send out a lot of my patients to nutritionists, um, even if it's again, for a short term, three months, six months, just to get on the right track. Um, whenever they tell me, you know, I'm doing everything right, doc, and it's just not working. And it's like the third time I see them and they have like the same complaint. And I've kind of done my part of talking about food and nutrition and lifestyle. Then I definitely want them to work closer with a nutritionist. Um, that can, you know, do a deep dive of exactly what's going on and hopefully work closer to them um, and more intimately to try to solve the problem and just be like their coach. Um, yeah, their advocate. Yeah. Right. And it, some of the conversations I ha- end up having with clients after a couple months, it's not even as much about what the client themselves is doing. It's more, mm-hmm. you know, my family still wants to eat this way or, I have friends who are pressuring, pressuring me. We, we forget sometimes I think that eating and our lifestyle choices are so social. Mm-hmm. So it has a lot to do with the people we live with and the different yeah, kind of peer pressure we're facing. And, you know, that's a lot to navigate. And then that's a lot for you as a doctor to, again, tackle. Yes. Even if you have 30 full minutes, which seems like a lot of time, I think, now for yeah. you as a doctor. You were saying you have 30 minutes now, but it's still... I'm sure sometimes you wish you had even longer. I do. I do. Because within that 30 minutes, I have to like do my physical exam. The nurse has to do the vitals, etc. So that's all squeezed in there. But we do get a lot more time than I'm used to. I mean, I mean, I I was just in urgent care seeing like six patients an hour. So oh my gosh. Good. <laughs> Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. ThriveMarket is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything, delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. What is, do you know the stat of the average time that a doctor spends with a patient these days? I don't. I don't. I would imagine it's far less than but fewer you than 30 never minutes. have like a concern by the time you leave. I mean, and that is sometimes why we are late for our next appointment and you have to wait. But 
I then, whenever I walk in and I'm late on a, on a patient, I wholeheartedly, you know, apologize and I, and I tell them, but now you have my full attention and I don't let that person leave until they've also addressed every single concern. Um, so it's, it's kind of sad that sometimes we are, we end up spending more time, but I don't mind at all just, just doing it. And a lot of us have like little pockets of no appointments in our schedule, which I now have too, um, finally. Um, and so we can go a bit over with appointments. Sometimes in residency, I had these really, really sweet patients because I was training in Florida. So a lot of my patients were a bit older. Um, mm. So I had these patients that would come see me every three months and they were very complex and had a lot going on. Um, I would specifically ask to have them scheduled one before lunch and one at the end of the day, all the way at the end. That way, if I run over with time, I'm just kind of taking away from my lunch or taking away from my going home time, which is fine. I mean, some of the patients just need that. And it's once every three months to see them and it's fine. It's not a big deal for me. Um, but yeah, you just got to find a doctor who's not rushing out the door. Um, a lot of doctors, and it's not our fault, partially, um, a lot of facilities are pushing doctors for more production, more production, more production. And I just came out of that. I was, you know, pressured to see more and more and more and more and more. And there were times when they even wanted me to hop on telemedicine while seeing six patients an hour. Hmm. It was impossible. And they're like, well, some of these six patients an hour are, you know, COVID swabs. So you're not really like doing that much. And I'm like, yeah, but you know even if I have to do a COVID swab, I have to make sure that this person is healthy enough to go home. So I'm still doing a full physical analysis, uh, telling them all the precautions that I think that they may have COVID, that this is all that they have to do, da, 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 da. You know, so a lot of companies um, are pushing patient, uh, doctors, sorry, to act that way. And so I don't want to villainize doctors because we are owned by these companies, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, hardly do you find a doctor now in 2020 that has a private practice. It's mm-hmm. it's just so uncommon now. But thankfully, some big companies that are non-for-profit, like the one I'm working at now, um, does allow for quality and actually gives us bonuses on quality instead of quantity. And that means that if my patient's hemoglobin A1C, which is the marker for diabetes, actually improves, I get like a bonus per se about, hmm. I mean, it obviously has to be like a bunch of patients that improve, but that is a different type of pay than the other doctor who's just getting paid per patient per, you know, number of feet in out the door kind of thing. Right. Um, Which is a whole other topic. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think it's such a complex issue. And I think that's good to bring up. I think being, you know, a former teacher, it's like when somebody will oversimplify education, and then, you know, 
fighting on the ground in the classroom every day. It's like, no, it's not that simple. It's such a complex issue. We as teachers are facing this, this, and this. So, you know, it's definitely not meant to villainize doctors and to come from a place, again, of respect and empathy, but at the same time to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. It's your health. Is there some way if besides doing a Google search that you could kind of vet doctors, any questions to mm-hmm. ask the office staff or something to, before you go, like, let's say you do only get one annual exam. Yeah. So some questions I personally asked when I called for my OB or my son's peds or my husband's uh, ENT is first I would ask, when is your next open appointment? And so a lot of really good companies and really good doctors will demand some open slots within the week, depending on how urgent your need is. And so um, some will like double book themselves for the next three weeks. And so I didn't want to see a pediatrician that would see me, you know, in four weeks. What if my son was sick today, you Mm. know, and needed to come in today? Um, So I would call the office and I would ask, when is the next open appointment? And that would kind of gave me a little bit of a gauge of how they work and how they operate and then ask them, okay, and how, how long do you predict like my weight is? Um, so that's another gauge. Um, and then definitely, um, while you're there, see, you know, how many patients are walking in and walking out, how many patients around you are scheduled for that 12 PM appointment? How many times have have I walked and do an appointment with my mom or something? And they're like, oh yeah, you're, you're the nine o'clock. Yep. You're also the nine o'clock. Yep. You're also the nine o'clock. Yep. And I'm like, how many patients do you schedule for nine o'clock? You know? Right. So I think once you go in, you'll just get those vibes that, oh, my doctor is too busy for me. But there used to be something kind of good about that. Like, oh, my doctor's so busy and he's oh, so sorry to take up your time, doc. Uh, you know, no, 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 no. That's not how it is. Um, just look for a person who's really willing to listen and address every concern. And then once you tell them a concern, even if it's a small concern, like, hey, I have this kind of like rough patch here. This is a little dry or every time I pee, X, Y, Z happens or I've, my hair is thinning. If they say, if they just look at you and they're like, uh, yeah, it's just, it's normal. It's normal. You know, it's aging. If they just say something like that without saying, oh, okay, tell me more about your hair thinning. How long has that been? Um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll check on your thyroid and we'll check on, you know, did your diet change? Because some dietary changes can cause hair thinning. Um, you know, like I just, I just want my doctor to not brush over my concern. Yeah. I think the word that's come up a lot is dismiss. It never feels good by your partner or your boss, anybody to be dismissed. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But I think for years, I just kind of accepted that again, doctors are very busy and they're the expert. And so I just got used to being dismissed sometimes. And then that's when I decided never again. (laughs) Yes, 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 definitely. I'm wondering if you have any examples of things that you've learned from patients that maybe you didn't learn in med school, something maybe you didn't know and you went to research it on your own and you ended up learning through a patient. I know it's a very specific Mm -hmm. question, so if you don't, that's fine. (laughs) 
Hmm. Actually, there was something recently. Oh, man. I'm kind of forgetting, but the one big lesson for me is not all size. I mean, not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely been something recently where she told me about this very rare disease and I actually had to go home and look it up. <laughs> and, oh, I, wow. and I asked her, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, what is it? And then I wrote it. She's like, oh, I'm so glad you're writing it down because there's only one in however many and – and, you know, it's so rare. I had to go to 23 doctors to be diagnosed and all that stuff. And I was like, wow. Um, she was actually up here in New Jersey, in Princeton, just for her doctor and her surgery. And, um, you know, she's not even from the state. She was here. She was staying a few months just to get the surgery. And her whole family moved up here temporarily for it. Um but what I'll say is I definitely don't think I know everything. And that's really important. Whenever a patient tells me something like even the very first time, the very, 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 very first time I ever heard the words um, leaky gut syndrome, I literally looked at my patient and I was like, what? <laughs> what is that? Our, our guts leak? What, what do you, what do you mean? And, you know, I went home and I looked it up and it's about, you know, your gut, um, absorbing things that really shouldn't be absorbing because of all of the toxins that have hit it and caused, um, permeability that shouldn't have been there. Um, and so it's real. that person probably <laughs> learned that by Googling, or from um, social media yeah. or something. <laughs> that and no, she's actually, she had gone to, um, I forgot what kind of doctor, like a, uh, a naturopath. Okay. Or maybe like an IF, uh, like a, a like functional, a functional medicine. medicine doctor yeah. or something. And to be completely honest, we have never, ever, ever, that's not in any medical books that I've read. I'll just, uh -huh. maybe now there are, but it's not in my books. Um, and I've yet to know everything about it, but, but I definitely learned that from my patient in residency and yeah. I remember writing it in my note in quotes because I was like, I don't think this is real. <laughs> but I get, I just think that's so important just in life. I want to be a lifelong learner Yes. and I never want to be so attached to something. I want science to progress and I want us to always be gaining new knowledge because exactly. otherwise that I doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense to me that we would have the same amount of knowledge exactly that we did a hundred years ago so I would even in my classroom I taught honors English for several years and a kid would say something and I would have no idea what they were talking about but I was like that is brilliant that is amazing I learned something new <laughs> you know all the time and I was never hesitant to say that Yes, um, that's so important. Because I just wanted to learn too. I thought that was so cool that I was learning. But I'm so grateful for your time. We've gone, I said about 45 minutes. We've already been talking for 47 because I could talk to you forever. But I want to be, so yeah, I want to be respectful of your evening. Uh, so I ask each of my guests this final question, which is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Hmm. Um. I think that's a really good question. A health investment, um, for me, 
it's putting in the work that I want to see coming out. Uh, that's how I see health. Um, and when I saw my parents going through what they went through and they're still going through and they made going to the doctor like a huge part of their life and taking all these medications and their pill box and um, all of that, yet they didn't change a thing about their lifestyle. I just see that and I just think to myself, that is that is not what I want. Okay, so that is not what I want. What are you going to do about it? And it was something different. I, I need to do something different to get something different. And to me, that is the health investment for me. And I also think that it's important for me to know that that is okay, that my parents don't want that. And some people don't want that. But they have to also be okay with the outcome, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree 100%. And when you're talking about that, it makes me think of the way I came up with the name is just kind of like a savings account. You just constantly yes. make these little deposits. Yes. And then it compounds and adds up in the end. But we always ask ourselves in medicine, does it change the outcome? Does it change the outcome? Does it change the quality of life of the patient? And I ask myself that every day and I ask myself, what kind of quality of life do you strive for? I don't want to live to like 120. There's some, there's actually a person in the wellness industry who says who he wants to live past 120 Yeah, for him. Um, I don't think that's, that's not my goal at all. I just want to live a healthy, happy life for as long as I can. And that means I can still participate with like sports and fun and go to the beach with my grandkids and chase after them and ride my bike with my husband even though I'm 80 and just kind of enjoy my life and have a good quality life for as long as I can um and I think that does take investment yeah I I agree where can listeners follow and find you um, so I am a little bit new to the Instagram world, but I'm trying really hard. Um, it's at drdr.olivia, and the way to spell my name is O-L-E-V-I-A, not O-L-I, and that's just how my mom spelled it. <laughs> and so, and do you have a website as well, or is mostly Instagram the best place? It's mostly Instagram for now. Hopefully, as soon as I'm on my actual um, practice website, I'll link to that too, because I actually want people to find my Instagram and then come be my patient. That is honestly why I started my Instagram. I want my patients to be able to say, hey, she looks like someone that would actually hear me out and we could talk about my life and my lifestyle and being a mom and food and I want her to be my doctor. And so hopefully I'll have that link up really soon. I love that. Well, I'll put the link to your Instagram in the show notes so everybody will be able to click through easily and find you there. And then I'm sure once you get a website or any other technology, they can probably find that through Instagram as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. I know you're on the East Coast, so it's three hours later. So I truly appreciate your time and just everything you shared with us today. 
Thank you so much for having me. This was truly a fun conversation and I would have this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Maybe I'll, we'll have to have you back. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness. So let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.